Welcome to another podcast from the Burlington Congregation of the Church of God International. You can find out more about CGI Burlington on our website at cgiburlington.org. Good afternoon, brothers and sisters. Greetings from Toronto. It's lovely being with you all. When I walk into the room, I can feel the feeling of family. I love that. <laughs> The feeling of family and warmth. My message is entitled, Peace I Leave With You, because God gives us many things via his Holy Spirit, and among them is is peace. And in today's world, it's so, so important, given that there's so much uh, upheaval and uh, trials and troubles and um, uh, catastrophes that happens in today's world. And normally one would ask, how can you be at a state of peace? But, you know, as Christians, as people of God, we should be the foremost, the paramount examples uh, to shine a light to everyone in spite of what is happening at the world, that we should be an example of peace. Um, And men today are trying to achieve peace. They are individuals that are searching for a state of peace. Even uh, some Christians today uh, sometimes forget how to remain at a a state of peace and to hang on to that peace that passes understanding some persons get uh, boggled down and fret down with all the pressures of life that it throws at them and they forget that that peace and so today i want to talk about being at peace with god and then after you're at peace with god i want to talk about it's more likely to be at peace within yourself after you find how to come come to a state of peace with god and then after being at peace within yourself and it's more uh, likely to be at a, a, a state of peace with others so being at peace with God, most people, even non-churchgoers, uh, didn't, don't, don't think they're enemies of God. I certainly, when I, at a time when I wasn't attending church, I thought that I wasn't an enemy of God. I was not an enemy of God. Granted, I, I remember when I didn't give my life to God, but I wasn't going out to, uh, trying to do things that uh, God hate on purpose. So I didn't really think of myself as an enemy of God. I mean, after all, I didn't steal. I, I didn't kill. So I thought I was a fairly... Uh, nice, nice person. But you know what? Uh, later, after I uh, growing in the word, I saw that even such, I was an enemy of God. Even Romans 5.10 puts it this way. Let's turn to Romans 5.10. It says, Romans 5.10. Romans 5.10. Romans chapter 5, verse 10. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So Paul described us as once being enemies. Sin and Satan is an enemy of God. And before we can be drawn to God, we need to have an answer for sin. The Bible teaches that we were once slaves to sin and we were once child, children of darkness. And it says that in Ephesians 2 verse 3. It says we were children, we were by nature children of wrath. So what I'm getting at here, being an enemy of God, it's impossible to be at peace with God. And we're an enemy of God when we are continue to be a slave to sin. When we accept Lord Jesus Christ as Savior and then when we repent and be baptized, we come into a relationship with God, we need the blood of Christ that washes away our sins, and then we can be justified before God. 
It's only then we can come into a place that where we can be at peace with God. Notice over here in Romans chapter 8, verse 6. If you turn with me to Romans chapter 8, verse 6, notice what it says here. It says, for to be carnally minded is death, but to, de- but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. That concept of peace, it should ring so loudly uh, throughout all your activities, uh, how you think, how you carry yourself, uh, your state of mind, your state of being, that concept of peace. Notice again in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We can have peace having been justified by faith. Jesus came and died for our sins. We can now have peace with God. It's possible for us. In one sense, all of God's wrath and fury and indignation that was once directed towards us before we repented and became baptized, now we can look at Christ as our elder brother. Now we can look at our Lord Jesus Christ as our Father and know that we are in a good standing of justification uh, with Him. Over here in Colossians Colossians chapter 1, verse 19. Colossians chapter 1, verse 19. Colossians chapter 1, verse 19. It says, For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you who were alienated and enemies in your minds by wicked works. So the word says, we all were once alienated and enemies in your minds from wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. Peace. That peace that's a facet understanding that you heard in both prayers. What is being at peace with God? We don't really deserve this peace. After all, we deserve death. Having, accepting, and being at peace with God does not depend necessarily, for the most part, on you or on me. It, for the most part, it depends on Christ. It is Christ who died for you and me. It is Christ who took away your sins, after all, and my sins. So it's Christ who... Uh, brings you and brings I into a a peaceful relationship with God. When we can come into a peaceful relationship with God, then, Beverin, it's more better to find that inner peace that so many in today's search for, so many looks for. In today's world, so many are worried by by all the situations in the world. But yet, it is possible to be in the midst of the storm and still be at a state of peace. Having achieved that inner peace. Peace can be developed within. Galatians 5 verse 22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Upon being baptized and receiving the lay of hands, you are impregnated with a measure of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, you have a measure of these fruits. You have a measure of peace within you. 
And we can tap into the Spirit to allow ourselves to grow in a condition into a state of peace, to achieve a real inner peace. Peace, then, is something we should all possess. After all, Jesus says this in John chapter 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. So Jesus gives us peace. In this world of chaos and turmoil, we should be at a state of peace. And as I said earlier, we need to first to come into a relationship when we are at peace with God. And then it's more easier for us to come into a state when we can achieve real peace with ourselves. This is so because you cannot come to a state of real peace with yourself if you do not have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It goes on to say, Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. To understand more about this peace, let's look at Jesus. Let's look at the peace that our Lord and Savior has, our great example. Jesus on his occasion talked about his death. But his death did not bother him. Why? Because he had that peace. Now ask yourselves, how many are you comfortable looking forward to the day when you will go to sleep, so to speak? Most of us don't think about it. It may make us feel uncomfortable. Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. Let's come there. Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and scribes, and be killed and be raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. Jesus was at complete peace talking about his death. He was basically saying, I must go to Jerusalem. I must suffer many things. I must be killed. Look what he he says further in verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whomever whomever desires to save his life He will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake, he will find it. Are we at that place where we can so willingly, so uh, confidently lay down our lives for Christ? It's easier to get at that place where we can, when you can achieve a state of peace, inner peace with yourself. Jesus was at total peace with what lies ahead. When Peter tried to change his mind, He told Peter, get behind me, Satan. When we think of pain and hardship and disappointment and persecution, and we know the word of God says that many of these lies ahead for the church of God. And the church of God is made up by you and and I, by saints all over the world. So, in other words, pain and hardship and disappointment and persecution is a part of life. And he certainly lies ahead for the church of God. As the days grow closer to Christ's return, we know that the evil one, Satan, shall become anger and anger and seek to make war with the church of 
with God's saints in a way that he never has before. And so it is so vital that we need this fruit of the Spirit, peace, to keep our, to keep our mentalities intact, to, to be uh, an example for those around us who will be going frantic and worried as to what is going on. We as children of God should be different. You should be an example. You should be a shining example of peace. Let's go to another passage that shows the peace. That's a passive understanding that our Lord Jesus Christ had. Luke 9, verse 51. Luke chapter 9, verse 51. Notice what it says there. Luke chapter 9, verse 51. And it just hammers on more of that point of this vital concept. Luke chapter 9. Let's come to verse 51 of Luke chapter 9. Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. What was going to happen to Jerusalem? Picture yourself in Jesus' shoes. He was marching so bravely, so committedly to his death. Nothing was going to deter him. He was at a state of peace. Verse 52 says, and sent messengers before his face. So he even sent persons before him to prepare the way. When it came time to die, to sacrifice himself, Jesus, Jesus didn't fret. He didn't worry. He wasn't ad- agitated. He was quite comfortable with the mission that lays lie ahead. He was at a state of peace. He knew what his task was. He knew what his father expected of him. He knew that there would be pain, that there would be trouble. But he was at a state of peace. And it's important to realize that peace that Jesus has is the same peace that he promises to give us, to give you and me, via the Holy Spirit of God. And that peace we can tap into at the most trying times, at the times when you're alone, when I'm alone. Think back, Beverly, when you were In a time where you were in pain, in a time perhaps maybe where you were afraid and you went to the privacy of your prayer closet and you laid out the situation to God, how did you feel afterwards? Even though immediately after you laid out the situation to God, you didn't see the answers of that situation or that trial in your life being worked out, but you felt better. You felt a little bit more at calm. You felt at ease. Because you believe in the, in, the, in the grace of God. You believe in the power of a prayer. You believe in that peace that's a passive understanding. And that it can take you through trials and through storms. And we as Christians, we will need that peace to get through the latter days. To go through the tribulation. Those of us whom God chooses to, to, face, to face that. Philippians chapter 4. Let's come to the book of Philippians, chapter 4. Philippians, chapter 4. And it sheds sheds a light on how we can come to continually experience this state of peace. Philippians, chapter 4, verse 6. Philippians, chapter 4, verse 6. The comforting passage. 
Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I'm going to read that from a modern English translation, which says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. So what can we do instead of worrying? The scripture says to pray. Tell God what you need and thank him for, all, for what he has done. So tell God what you need. Don't worry about when he's going to meet those needs. After you tell him what you need, you thank him immediately for, in your prayers for telling him what you need. If you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. We're not to be filled with anxiety. The Apostle Paul, a servant of Christ, as we are servants of Christ, as you are servants of Christ, has a grasp of this peace. Now, you can't just suddenly will yourself to be in a state of peace. It doesn't work like that. A key point to come into a state of being with God, one, another one is through meditation and studying the Word and through uh, prayer. The Apostle Paul had that state of peace. And in that scripture we read, we read that the peace that surpasses all understanding, his peace will guard your hearts. You know, guard is a military term. It means to protect, to keep safe. Being at a state of peace can protect you. It can keep you safe. When your mind is at a state of peace, it can keep you through the storm. You could be surrounded with arrows, with enemies, but being at a state of peace with God and then at a state of peace within yourself, it can keep you calm. Let's turn to the book, book, of, book of Philippians and let's see an example of Paul. Let's see the example of Paul. So we're talking about peace. And it's a very important concept, and Paul understands it, and we need to grow in peace. Sorry, let's go to Philippians chapter 1, <clears throat> verse 12 to 13. Verse 12 to 13. But I want you to know, Beverin, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the fervence of the gospel. Paul was in prison. So that it, it might become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. Paul was in prison. He was in chains. But he was at a state of peace. Let's go to Philippians chapter, um, let's go to chapter 3, verse 8. 
Paul being in prison is able to say, Yet I indeed, yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. That peace that he had allowed him to say such things. You really can't have the peace of God until you know the God of peace. How can we know the God of peace? By tapping into his Holy Spirit. We can come into a relationship with God by being at peace of God, by having his Holy Spirit. Then, having come to a place where we're at peace with God, we can more readily come to a place where we can be at peace with ourselves in all situations. And then when you come to a place where you're at true peace with yourself, then it's truly possible to be at peace with others. Matthew chapter 5, verse 9 says this. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. It says, blessed are the peacemakers. And notice, it didn't say peacekeepers, but peacemakers. In other words, you as Christians are supposed to be more than peacekeepers. Think of yourself as peace workers. Peace workers. We have a responsibility to live at peace with one another. To live at peace in the world. Paul puts it this way in Romans chapter 12, verse 18. Romans chapter 12. Let's come there to verse 18. Romans chapter 12, verse 18. He said, If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peacefully with all men. How far would you go to live peacefully of all men? Verse 19. Beloved, do not avenge yourself, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. A remedy for peace then is to feed your enemy. Not go to war with him. That's not natural for most men to feed their enemy. But the God of peace advises us to do that. The word goes on to say, If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Peace. It is much easier to do this when you are at a state of peace with God, and at a state with peace with yourself. It just will allow you more to bring food and drink to your enemy. Romans chapter 14, let's go over verse 19. It says, Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. We ought to go out of our way to make peace. When you are a peacemaker, a peace worker, you are a son of God. So says the word in Matthew verse 5. Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. When you make a practice of being a peacemaker. Let's look, to the, let's look at the Apostle Paul again. Let's turn to the book of Philemon and see an example of a peace worker. The book of Philemon. It's not a long book, so we'll read the whole book. The book of Philemon and see an example of a peace worker. 
of Philemon. And we'll see the example of a peace maker, a peace worker in action. And um, here we see Paul, he takes the role of a reconciler. He will see how he went out of his way to make peace. And we read about Omniscius when we see he's a repenter. So let's start out and read. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer, to the beloved Happhia, Acrippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And as you know, the Apostle Paul, in almost all of his letters, he started out with this greeting of peace, extending that peace to you. He understood how important it is to be at peace. And he said it every time, and he extended that well-being of peace to his fellow brethren. Verse 4 says, I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and all the saints, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in your love, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. Verse 8. Therefore, though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting, yet for love's sake I rather appeal to you. Being such a one, Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ, I appeal to you, my son, for Onesimus. So Paul is making some appeal to Philemon regarding Onesimus. Philemon was a slave owner. Onesimus was his slave. Though the book doesn't say Onesimus and Philemon were at some odds with each other. And Paul was taking a role of the, of the, um, of the peace worker, of the peacemaker. To bring them together to work out the, the, that difference, that rift that occurred between them. Verse 12. I am sending him back. So Paul is sending Onesimus back. And, you know, this is quite important. In the Roman culture, there was, uh, slavery was a very, very common concept. Uh, today we have employer and employees. In the Roman culture, they were slave and slave uh, uh, owners. And, you know, for a slave to run away from, from his master is, you know, it would, is a, could be a capital offense. So Onesimus going back could be really uh, punished severely. But Paul says, I am sending him back. You therefore receive him that is in my own heart whom I wish to keep me that on your behalf he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. But but without your consent I would do nothing that your good deed might not be by the compulsions as it as it were, but voluntary. For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose. So Paul is saying maybe there was some hidden reason that Onesimus ran away from his master. He was of aid to Paul. He ministered to Paul in his chains. That you might receive him forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, 
So Paul is appealing to Philemon to receive him back, not as a slave, but more than a slave. He wants Paul appeals to Philemon to receive him back, as the text says, text says here, a beloved brother. Especially to me. Especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. Then Paul goes on to say, If then you count me as a partner, receive him as you would me. Paul is saying, Anisimus ran away from his master Philemon. He could be in very, very deep and serious trouble going back. But Paul says, Receive him back. Don't be angry with him. Don't punish him. Receive him back with warm and a welcome and an attitude as you would receive me if I came to you. But if he, Paul goes on to say, but if he, this is Onesimus, has wronged you, has wronged you, Philemon, or owes you anything, put that on my account. So Paul goes a step further to uh, mend this uh, broken relationship between a runaway slave and a slave master. He says, if he owes you anything, don't hold him in account for it. Put it on my account. Let me settle that debt with you. Just only receive him back as more than a slave. Receive him back as a brother of Christ. In other words, receive him back in a state of peace. Paul, verse 19, I, Paul, am writing my, of, with my own hand. I will repay not to mention to you that not to mention to you that you owe me even your own self besides. Paul says this because he was the one who I guess Paul God worked through to bring Philemon into the faith. Yes, brothers, verse twenty, let me have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord. Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. But meanwhile also prepare a guest room for me, for I trust that through your prayers I shall be granted to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you, as do Mark, Artichasris, excuse my pronunciation, Dimas, Luke, my fellow laborers, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. We saw the account how Paul took the step of being a peace worker, a peacemaker. Remember what the word said. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Are you a son of God? Are you a peacemaker? Here's some things that we can do to grow in peace. Grow in peace. The first thing to, is to understand that in order to grow in peace, we need to be in a relationship with God. We need to be in a relationship with peace with God. We need to come into peace with God. Having come into peace with God, it's more easier to be at true peace within yourselves. And then having come to a state of being at true peace within yourself, it's more easier to be at peace with others. So peace with God first, then peace within, and then peace with others. And as we all know, the second point is, is prayer. I'm not going to belabor that as I guess we all have a good grasp on how important prayer is in maintaining a relationship with God. 
inner peace comes as, as we practice and grow in the power of prayer. The third point we to mention is obedience. We need to live in obedience. When we are obedient, it keeps us in a state of peace. When you're when one is disobedient, it might bring tension and strife. For those of you who have, who have children, parents, when, you've, when your kids are disobedient, you're, you're probably a, get a little bit anxious or worried that they might get hurt themselves. It's the same when we disobey God. We put a distance between ourselves. It ha- hampers our relationship. So living a life of obedience The fourth point is we need to meditate and to focus. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Let's read what it says there. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. It says, Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. And now, dear brothers and sisters, let me say one more thing as I close this letter. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right Think about things that are pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned from me and heard from me and saw me doing. And the God of peace will be with you. How can the God of peace will be with you? By doing these things. By thinking about things that are pure and lovely, excellent and worthy, much more than thinking about them by putting them into practice. And as he says, Paul says here, the God of peace shall be with you. How can we grow in a state of peace? My fifth point. Well, we need to be realistic. We need to be level-headed. In life, we're going to have troubles. There will be situations that will disturb our peace. But don't let it uh, agitate us. Notice John chapter 16, verse 33. The Savior says, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. So, God expects us followers to have peace. Notice what Jesus says in the next breath. In the world you will have tribulation. It seems like a paradox. In the world you would have tribulation, but nevertheless, you can have peace. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. We know that in the end is the victory for the saints. We know Christ has overcome death and the cross. Therefore, we can have peace. God's word said, Though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. I rod and thy staff, they comfort me. So, and there will be times the church will go through valleys and shadows, nearing death. But remember what Jesus says we should be of good cheer. Remember what Jesus says we should have peace. He says again in John 16, verse 33 These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. You will have trouble. But remember, brethren, you can still and will have peace. 
How can we grow in peace? My sixth point, love. It all starts with love. I mean, to truly be at peace with someone, you need to love them. How many times have you heard the saying, peace and love, they go hand in hand, like bread and butter, or whatever your favorite combo is. John chapter 13, verse 34, notice what our Christ, our Lord and Savior says here. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Recall in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, Jesus says, We are the sons of God if we are peacemakers. Peacekeepers, I should say. Here it's saying, all men will know that we are the disciples of God if we have love for one another. In other words, peace and love, they're inseparable. They're inseparable. They go hand in hand. We need to grow in love. Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers for they are the sons of God. I submit that the peacemakers are filled with love. Jesus had this love. Jesus had this type of love. Let me share a few an illustration. It says here, woman finds peace on the journey. My friend Marge had an experience aboard a plane bound for Cleveland, waiting for takeoff as she settled into her seat. Marge noticed a strange phenomenon. On one side of the airplane, a sunset suffused the entire sky with glorious color. But out of the window next to her seat, all Marge could see was a sky dark and threatening, threatening with no sign of the sunset. As the plane engines began to roar, a gentle voice spoke within her. You have noticed the windows, he murmured beneath the roar and the thrust of the takeoff. Your life, too, will contain some happy, beautiful times, but also some dark shadows. Here's a lesson I want to teach you to save you much heartache and allow you to abide in me with continual peace and joy. You see, it doesn't matter which window you look through. This plane is still going to Cleveland. So it is in your life, you have a choice. You can dwell on the gloomy picture, or you can focus on the bright things and leave the dark, ominous situations to me. I alone can handle them anyway. The final destination is not influenced by what you see and hear along the way. Learn this, act on it, and you will be released, able to experience the peace that passes understanding. Let's not get bogged down by the things we may face along the way to our final goal, along the way to our final destination, which is the kingdom of God. There will be trials, there will be tribulation, but we can leave, bring it all to God and remain in a state of peace. We can bring it all to God and remain in a state of peace. It's vital such a vital component after jesus was resurrected and he appeared to his disciples he often said to them peace be with you so to have this fruit of the spirit is so important for us 
to be an example to others in how to come into a relationship with God. And we come into a relationship with God by being at peace with God. And once we are at peace with God, we can then achieve true inner peace in ourselves. And once we achieve true inner peace within ourselves, we can then come into a state of true peace, true peace with others. Let me just close with a scripture the scripture reading that just nicely sums up my message here in Second Corinthians. Chapter 13, verse 11, which says, Finally, brethren, farewell. Become complete. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. May the peace of God that passes all understanding be with you all, my brothers and sisters. This has been a podcast from the Burlington Congregation of the Church of God International. We hope you are blessed by it. To find out more about CGI Burlington, visit our website at cgiburlington.org.